Father Gregory, it has begun. The Great Lent is here. We are recording this in the first week of Lent. It is day three, Wednesday of the first week of Lent. And I am so tired. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think, I don't, that doesn't bode well. I mean, we've got like weeks of this left. Yeah, you got a long way to go there. I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Whew. I guess uh, you know it's it's like it's like starting a marathon and and you're at like mile five and it's like I'm done. How many marathons have you run, Father Bryce, in your life? Uh, you're a big runner. Yeah, uh, like marathon distance marathons. I've I've done two three but then i've done a few ultra and how long were the ultras events. uh the longest event was a six day kind of i call it uh camp for adult runners you ran for six days well it was we, like we ran and then they had set they like we put all our stuff in our in our duffel bags in our tent and they like packed it up and moved it and it's called the trans rockies run so you're running it, it ended up being like 130 miles over six days. The Trans Rocky Run? Yeah. So you ran yeah. like over the Rockies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It in was six days. I mean, it, was, it wasn't the whole Rockies. <laughs> like I said, it was only 100 and, 130 or so miles that, I, that year. I would, I would just die. It was, that would, that it would was be so it. much fun. Uh, but me, me. I'd be my, my longest single day event was 30. It's like 33 and a half. There's a trail here in Michigan that goes here from here to here in Kalamazoo to, uh, Lake Michigan. There's a town called South Haven. So they have a, a run where you do that whole trail, um, much easier than the trans Rockies run. It's like flat, wow. maybe even slightly downhill the whole way. It's an old, uh, railroad, so it's just crushed limestone, very, very, very easy, very nice. Though the the monotony of just running straight for that long did get, yeah, a little old. Yeah, um, I but, sort of ran a marathon once. That we at the same, the same yeah. one that I ran. We were yeah, we, we did, discovered this. We yeah, we ran know, the same marathon. We didn't know each other then. We didn't know each other was there. But we, we I didn't even know the that the Orthodox marathon. Church existed then. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so, and, but you're, you're tired now. now. How does this compare at this point on Wednesday of great and holy Lent on clean week? Yeah. How, how does this compare with like an ultra fatigue wise? Oh man. I mean this, what this just like where, where like percentage wise, I mean, yeah, like where, where I'm, are you I'm at? at like mile two. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So you're I mean, doing pretty good. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, there's, it's that, there's that difficulty in, in doing any kind of distant event, distance event where you have to kind of hold yourself back, right? Like the temptation is to just like come out of the gate hard and you, you start off just way too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get tired and then, then you can't finish well. Uh, and I guess maybe that's a little bit, I mean, clean week kind of, does that right there's usually like a little bit more services and kind of the idea is there at least that the fast during clean week is a little bit more strict than during the rest of lent and so uh, maybe clean week is like just trying to knock you down because the whole like 
idea with Lent is like, you need to learn to rely on God. And so we're just going to destroy you. And then you don't have any choice. Mm. Like you have to rely on God because you're exhausted. So here, mm-hmm. here you go. Here's, here's everything. But, but thankfully, not only do we have God's grace to help us, he also gave us the wonderful tree that produces the coffee bean. Indeed. So we, we also have coffee. Yes. Thank, thankfully, and, we don't have to fast from coffee during Lent. Yes. That would be... That'd be yeah, really hard. You know, we, we don't have to, you know, we're not like this, like we're choosing what to give up here. You know, that's already set. Mm-hmm. So we still have coffee and we still have the church coffee pod where the theology is never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing. Yes. I'm Father Bryce. Yes, I'm Father Gregory. So I've heard Lent compared to like running the two mile. Like Really? If, yeah. If you run the two mile, uh, uh-huh. you know, in track and field, the last lap, obviously your, your gun lap, as they call it, the eighth lap, you want to be the hardest. Yeah. And so I've heard people compare this like Holy Week. Yeah. And then the second hardest, the second fastest is the first lap. Um, and so that's like, that's clean week. Yeah. And then um, now for Lent, a lot, in a lot of traditions, they talk about the fifth week, you know, the week of the great canon, the week of uh-huh. St. Mary of Egypt. So as uh, also kind of being also kind of up there in the arduous weeks yeah. uh, of Lent. So, yeah, it's a trial. Um, our spiritual life involves our body. Yes. Um, so you're, you're doing um, the great compline, from what I understand, the first yeah. four nights with yep, the canon of St. Andrew of Crete, mm-hmm. which is an amazing poetic hymn of repentance it is it's very beautiful and you're doing the uh, metanias the prostrations with the yeah. troparia yep so you're you're involving your body in prayer as well as through fasting yeah uh, and yeah our um, tradition is is very uh affirming of the fact that humans are entities of unity we are not a soul in a body or a body that has a soul or any no we are we're humans and mm-hmm. and so we're our, soul and to, body right and we don't even we don't even believe that uh, our eternal destiny is to exist just as a soul this is kind of a common misconception we have right right uh, that that oh i'll die and my body will turn to dust but i'll live forever as you know kind of a like disembodied a soul mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm. But that's not what we believe. We believe in the resurrection, which mm-hmm. which isn't the continued existence of my soul. It's it is to be given a body again, to a, to exist again as a human, as I exist now, a new body, right? Um, right. Well, it's interesting. Like it is, Saint Paul has that verse: "It is sown a physical body; it is raised a spiritual body." Mm-hmm. That's you know that's using kind of Paul's distinction between flesh and spirit, which is mm-hmm. not kind of the distinction we're making here between body and soul yeah he's he's using that differently there right i mean i think of that as like the resurrected christ Mm -hmm. you know we shall be as he he is i think or we shall see him as he is and yeah um you know i mean he they could touch him they could handle him he he eats after he's resurrected but then he kind of appears and disappears and Mm -hmm. um so there's there's all kinds of a you know amazing things there that that are beyond our comprehension and our knowledge definitely which you know so our our topic for this month was the miracles of christ and mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really get any questions and so it's None. a very broad topic and so it is <laughs> but but in this light maybe we'll just kind of touch on it briefly and talk yeah. about you know the words the word miracle thavma 
mm-hmm. a wonder, mm-hmm. you know, something that creates wonderment in the people. Another word that's often used in the Gospels is signs, simia. Yeah. Obviously, right. signs are indicators. They point to something. Um, and so they're, they're teaching. They're, yeah. they're demonstrating who Christ is. Yes. Verifying the word of his truth. And then later on, the, the apostles and disciples work miracles in his name. Mm-hmm. Miracles by themselves are not necessarily always verification of truth. Right. Uh, we see the warning in Deuteronomy 13, you know, there's some prophet and he's doing all kinds of amazing things. And he says, let's go worship other gods. Right. Uh, don't do it. Don't right. do it. You shall worship the Lord, your God only in him. You shall serve, you know? Yeah. So, um, so we, you know, we have that aspect, but then we have the gospel of John mm-hmm. again, where they're called signs. There's seven signs. John, yeah. John's gospel likes numbers, um, yes. symbolic numbers. Absolutely. The eighth sign, if you will, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. The seventh sign is the resurrection of Lazarus. So sometimes in the Gospels, we see an ascendancy in kind of the miracles. We see healing miracles. We see yeah. demons being cast out, which is kind of pointing to, these are signs pointing to the coming of Christ. Yeah. And the coming of his ministry and the conquering of the the world of the archons, you know, the fallen powers, mm-hmm. the exousias, you know, the demonic forces. Yeah. They're all being cast out, you know, right. with his coming. Uh, and will all be cast out and will all be judged. Yes. Uh, we see that very clearly in scripture. And then as we, there's this ascendancy and like healing miracles to the point where we see resurrection miracles. Right. And the raising of Lazarus, mm-hmm. you know, who was four days in the tomb and was already experiencing... A decay, and according to Jewish tradition, his soul had left his body and was called back. Right. Showing that Jesus has power over death. Yeah. Because he has come to defeat death. Yeah. Uh, and he defeats death by his third day resurrection. So the miracles, the signs, the wonders, they're all pointing to the person of Jesus Christ, who is the miracle of God. Yeah. Who is the source of life? Who is the resurrection? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. So they're all kind of pointing to there and they continue to point to there. However, God wills that they happen even in our day. Right. There's still miracles of healing. There's still miracles and signs and wonders, especially in the mission field. I remember Father Luke Veronis was a missionary saying, if you want to see signs and wonders, go into missions. Hmm. You know, because again, pointing to the truth of the gospel, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there can be miracles in ways we don't see. People may pray very fervently for someone to be healed. Absolutely. And they may not be physically healed or restored. Um, but the miracle of faith is there. Yeah. And the miracle of the hope and the resurrection and new life is there. The miracle of repentance. Yes. Is there, we don't often think of repentance as a miracle, but St. John Chrysostom certainly talks about it that way. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, repentance can be, you know, greater than raising the dead. And we even see uh, repentance talked about as uh, the return to life in the, in the parable with the prodigal son, right? The Mm -hmm. the father says your, your brother who was dead is now alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course in that, story the brother does not experience physical death but he does undergo a a repentance and so Mm -hmm. his repentance is this miracle this this resurrection and i i think of the great miracle of faith of people that you know throughout the years of my priesthood that 
I visited in hospitals, I anointed with unction, I prayed with, who received communion, who did not get better. Mm. But they themselves are a great witness and testimony of faith. Absolutely. Um, and they preached greater sermons than I'll ever preach, mm. just by their endurance and and their faith and their love. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of some people right now, and it just it, you know it brings me to almost to tears, uh, just thinking about them. How great their faith is, how great their witness is, mm-hmm. how great their hope is. Mm-hmm. You know, as because even if there's not a miracle of healing. They're looking forward to life with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that points to the end of the Gospel of John, right? Where it says there are many signs that Jesus did yeah. that are not written in this book. These are all written in this book that you may believe and that by believing in him, you may have eternal life. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's really the essence of, of miracles, right? Mm-hmm. Every <laughs> Everything pointing to God. Uh, they're all done for the glory of God. N- yeah. Not not even, yes, they, they benefit those who receive healing. They benefit those who are freed from, you know, these the possessions that we hear about, but, but they're done to the glory of God. And, yeah. And the truth of God, I mean, Lazarus is raised from the dead, mm-hmm. but according to our tradition, he gets killed again. Right. Which, I mean, right. he doesn't get killed the first time. So I, again, is wrong. But he he gets martyred. Yes. Yeah. After that, according to tradition, right? Um, so these people who are who are healed of their illnesses or their leprosies eventually face their own deaths. Yes. In the gospel. Yes. Um, so that that wasn't the point, you know, and and in that way, the point was, you know, eternal life. The point was pointing to the truth of the gospel and who Jesus is. Yeah. And what Jesus is. Yeah as the incarnate son and word of God, as the miracle of God, as the resurrection and as the life. And so this journey of Lent that we're going through is looking to he who is the resurrection and the life, you know, preparation for that and entering into a deeper communion with him and the miracle of repentance for Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it makes me think, you know, you, you mentioned these people who, who didn't experience uh, miraculous healing, but who in their suffering gave witness to Christ, right? And and Paul is constantly enjoin, enjoining us to, to suffer with Christ, to die with Christ. Every uh, kind of suffering and, and difficulty has now been transformed in the resurrection in that we can do these things with Christ. And when we do them with Christ, we bear witness to Christ, right? We, we in a sense, become martyrs, right? Because, of course, we, the, the class of saints known as martyrs means those who were, who were put to death for their faith, but the word means witnesses. Yeah, they bore and, witness. Yeah, and so we, too, can bear witness to Christ. And this, this may be one of the great tasks of the Christian is, is to suffer well, to, to do these things well, knowing that Christ is with us, uh, mm-hmm. to kind of repurpose, you know, Paul, Paul says, we don't mourn like those who have no hope, but we also, we don't suffer like those who have no hope. We undergo these things with Christ. And there's a letter that St. Gregory Palamas 
writes to um, writes to somebody who's asked him about grief, and he I'm I'm going I'm sure I'm going to totally distort this. I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing, but so he mm-hmm. in responding to to this person, he says, you know, even our fasting, right? Our fasting is 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 a way we practice for the for the griefs that we don't get to choose, right? Mm-hmm. We get to choose to set aside meat. Mm-hmm. And and in doing so, I'm going to cause myself a little bit of sorrow because mm-hmm. I really want a steak or a hamburger or whatever. I really miss my protein, you know, whatever it might be. And I enter into that choice and I bring Christ into that suffering with me. Not because this is a great suffering and oh my goodness, how how amazing am I that I, you know, didn't eat a hamburger today, but because that's a a chance for me to practice these things that I, you know, the, the things that will come into our lives that we don't have control over, that we don't get to choose. And that if I can bring Christ into this little suffering, then maybe I'll be more prepared to bring Christ into the bigger sufferings that, that he wants to enter into with me. He wants to be in those places with us. If there's one thing we see from Christ is that he wants to be with us. Yeah. Um, and he wants and, us to be with him. Yeah. And so that's that's one of these one of the many opportunities we're given in Lent. This it's a practice time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why the church, you know, I mean, we have kind of a standard of fasting. You were alluding earlier. Yeah. I think, you know, we don't choose what we give up. We kind of have this uh, standard of fasting that's given to us through tradition, through the canons of the church, but then there's also this uh uh very important point that you know, it's not necessarily a one size fits all. Um, no, not everyone's going to be able to fast in exactly the same way. No, and I've, I've had, in fact, I've heard that there is only one rule about fasting in the church, and that rule is talk to your spiritual father about yeah, it. Yeah, if you yeah if you have access to someone to seek guidance for, you know, we're to be stretched, mm-hmm. um, but not broken. Right. You know, um, the body is your friend. Yes. Don't abuse it. That's uh, is that Saint Seraphim? Saint Seraphim, but don't pander it either. Yeah. You know, because that's also another form of abuse. Sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. And through the body, as his All Holiness Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew was pointing out mm. in his Lenten encyclical, mm-hmm. um, the body is not evil. No. Nope. This is not about Neoplatonism. No. Nope. The, body, the body is good. Yes. Um, but through ascetical discipline, we are striving to cure the passions of the soul. Yeah. And I, I, I like to, you know, sometimes I tend to think of the passions, that word, like in a very fleshly way and a very bodily yeah. way. But I was just yeah. remembering the other day about how for Evagrius of Pontus, you know, is one of the earliest Christian writers to kind of talk about this. They're yeah. called like the eight deadly thoughts. Right. You know, so that's the source of them. That's where they start, you know, in, you know, in, the, in the thoughts, in, in the mind or in the yeah. heart. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so, you know, through fasting, through... The many, uh, you know, the prostration, prostrations that we do with the Lenten prayer of St. Ephraim, it's a way mm-hmm. of, it's a physical sign of humility of humbling ourselves before God, mm-hmm. bowing down before him. Um, through all of this, we're seeking to cure the thoughts, to cure the mind and the heart uh, of these of these sinful passions that, that we pick up along the way that are sources of death. Yeah. And we're seeking communion with he who is life. Yes. And that repentance is is a great miracle, yes, and and is and is a great gift. Absolutely, 
that new yeah. life is a great gift. So, um, so I think we're gonna we're gonna cut a little short today. Yeah, uh, because it is Lent, so it's a time for more prayer, a time for quiet, uh, a time for services. You know, more yes. opportunities for Lenten services, which are beautiful and wonderful and amazing. Yes, indeed. And I hope people are taking advantage of them. Um, and so um, we really, I do, I just want to wish everyone a, a good, blessed Lent, good strength, um, a good fast. And I hope it's a fruitful time for people to grow in communion with God, to grow in communion with Christ, to grow in their love for God and their love for one another. Mm -hmm. um, Amen. Yeah. So... Our topic for next month, I think, is just looking like we did for Christmas. We're going to do another kind of episode where we're looking at the prophecies for the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, next month will be April, and of course in April we'll be getting ready for a Holy Week and, and Pascha. So it'll be good timing for that. So you yeah. can, uh, where can they send in their questions again? If you've got questions about these prophecies, or really any questions, we can always bank questions for later. You can email us at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com, or you can call us and leave a voicemail at 317-660-5498. Thank you for listening to Church Coffee Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to tell your friends, Church Coffee isn't so bad after all. God bless. God bless you. Take care.